is going on, everybody? Welcome back to another Serious Angler podcast powered by our friends over at X2 Power Batteries. As always, I'm your host, Bailey Igbra, and joined with me is the captain, Mr. Andy Full. Hectic week for you, buddy. Does it ever end? That is my question. <laughs> but it's not like a bad hectic, at least. At least it's like no, a it's, semi-hectic. It's a very exciting hectic. It's just in like super anxiety provoking and it's wild. Like every 15 minutes, my phone is going off with another notification of somebody that wants to view our house. So it's, it's fun. So a little prelude, right? Like Amanda and I bought a new house. We're going to be moving about a half hour from where we live now, a little bit further south, but we will be very close to, a guy that we mentioned on here a lot that is the Duke, Jeff Hippert, who is one of my good buddies, awesome guide on Lake Erie. We uh, share a lot of water. We help each other with trips. So I'm really excited to be closer to him. We got a really great deal on a new house, so we're selling ours. And it's wild how much uh, foot traffic we are already seeing, and it's only been on the market a day. It's so. Kind of yeah, I think we have like 35 showings this week, and I just got two more requests like 30 seconds ago for times. So it's yeah. just like, oh. <laughs> uh, has yeah. your phone been also going off the hook since the uh, the whole Eli Apple bills thing today? Yeah, I don't pay attention. Bill season is done now. Like, I am a diehard Bills fan, but I don't let sports like let's say control my life i don't dwell over it i don't think about it 24 7 just when they're playing i have to watch so i'm already into sabers mode because they're only three points out of the playoffs right now and they're increasingly looking like a really good team because they're finally getting decent goaltending so um the sabers might make the playoffs let's hope if they can be like a fringe 91 to 95 point team and maybe squeak in so we can have playoffs back in Buffalo for the first time in 11 years. I was going to say, it's been a long yeah. time, but they beat Dallas, which I think is a big statement. Yeah, they they were the first team to beat Boston in Boston this year, mm-hmm. and they also beat Boston. So they beat I, Dallas, so they beat both top teams in both conferences. So we'll have yeah. to uh, we'll have to wear the black and red for every playoff game with yeah. the ratio they got going for those jerseys. Oh, the, the black six and red six no. and zero with all six goals. Like they it's- lost one game in it and they got shut out by the Flyers, like four nothing. But I think they're seven and one now in the the black and red goat heads. See that that's bad juju because it's like the OG Sabers versus Flyers playoffs. I like, know. Can't wear the black and red. Well, now. you know, it, it's funny, like, not to continue on sports talk. I re- if I remember correctly, <laughs> the past history, the Flyers would own the Sabres in the regular season. <clears throat> then they get in the playoffs, and the Sabres would win, like, 9 nothing, 7-2, 8-4, like, just ridiculous scores mm-hmm. against them. So it's just yeah. like, whatever. They can beat us in regular season, but they're probably not making the playoffs anyways. So, <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, I, this is not a sports podcast, but it's hard yeah. for Andy and I not to because as much as we talk fishing here and like it seems like it's social wise, sports is all Andy and I talk about typically over text. Yeah. Fly, um, Eagles, fly. I'm on the right. Eagles band train. Go birds. Go the birds. Bird, the bird train right now. So, That's all right, right. Let, let's digress here and kind of hop back into fishing. Yeah, let's. Talk, <laughs> so, yeah. January 24th, a few weeks away from our Elite Series, MLF. Yeah. Pro see our our desire to watch professional fishing 
online all day long is about to kick off. That means fantasy fishing is about to kick off. If you guys have not joined the Serious Angler Fantasy Fishing Group, highly encourage you to do so. But uh, today's guest is a Bassmaster rookie, Mr. Alex Weatherill. And uh, we're going to be getting him on today and talk about a whole bunch of things. But really fast, before we get into today's show, um, we, you know, we talked about it a few times, but I'm going to pump it a couple more times as we go down the road. And then I Apparel. probably shut up about it. Yes. Uh, <laughs> uh, if you guys want to get any Serious Angler merch, Lure Lab, this one's the basketball merch. Website is in the show notes of MP3 and YouTube if you guys want to cop yourself anything. Um, and the hats are almost, I got an email yesterday. They should be on their way here in a couple weeks, which means we might be able to ship them early. So if you want any hats, Serious Angler hats, such, uh, we'll be able to get those out here shortly, ho- hopefully soon. Awesome. Um, awesome, awesome, awesome. Yeah, but beyond that, I mean, I know uh, I'm headed to Florida next Friday. We're going to talk a little bit more of that in a later episode. Deacon's headed to Havasu for the first event in the year. I know he got a whole bunch of do it mold stuff in today. Start pouring baits for that event. Uh, I know he'll he'll have some content coming over from his page on that. So uh, it'll be an exciting time of year. Things are ramping up. The off season almost done. But I think without further ado, yeah, we should get Alex on here before bring we bring on our guest. Five more minutes. That's right, <laughs> Mr. Alex Weatherill. What's going on, man? Hey, what's up, guys? Thanks for having me on. Good evening. Did I pronounce, is it Weatherill? Did I pronounce it? Yeah, it's Weatherell, but Weatherell, Weatherall, Weatherell, you know, it doesn't really matter. Yeah, Mercer will mess it up seven times probably yeah, before exactly. he gets it right. So exactly. <laughs> it'd be Alex Weatherill. Yeah, it, it, it's not going to affect me. So if you, if you put the W in there, we're good. It's, yeah, it's, it's important thing that matters. Well, dude, uh, it's good to get you on the show. It's nice to have a, uh, a fellow Northeasterner. Uh, that's still living in the Northeast. I know there's Paul Mueller still, but uh, I mean, most of the Northeast guys that go to elite, it's like Jamie Hartman and such, they all move South. So it's kind of nice to have another Northerner on the elite series this year, like a true Northerner that's in the States, not the Canadians, but uh, dude, it's gotta be, I mean, has it hit you yet that you're about to start your first year on the elite series? Uh, it kind of has from a, from a timeline standpoint, it des- definitely has. Right. Cause like, uh, from when I got my boat, to, you know, I do all the rigging myself. So, um, just went right to work with that and then took the boat to DFX wraps to get it wrapped and then just got it back. Now I'm down in Georgia for something and then I'm coming back home for three weeks. So, um, from that standpoint it has, but other than that, um, I'll be honest, it, it hasn't really hit me in any way yet. I think I, you know, I told my friends, I think, uh, probably the first, um, national anthem is probably when it'll it'll hit me but uh so far it's just can kind of go 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 right now yeah i mean from a lot of the guys that we've talked to on the show and just through conversation it seems like the off season like regardless if you're on the elites or not like opens guys and everything like the off season mm-hmm. you don't have much time to think no no and, and a lot of people don't see that and uh you know a lot of times the preparation and everything that you do beforehand is what kind of leads to success so um, I definitely am one of those people that try to do everything in my power to control what I can control and, you know, go from there. This is honestly, it might sound weird, but like, this is one of my favorite times of year being that I'm one, always on social media and two, I'm a techie because this is time of your year where like guys like yourself have been posting a bunch of content of rigging your boat, getting all the new gadgets in for the year. And I nerd out on that stuff because I love watching the boat bills, things like that. So for me, I love it for you guys. It's probably Hectic, you're like, dang, you got to get this on time. I got to get this on time. Got to get this rig. Got to travel halfway across the country to get this. Like, 
Heck oh, oh, yeah. And I think it's a lot of guys' favorite time of year because, like, you go on, uh, you know, you go on Tackle Warehouse or you go on, like, some, you know, online <laughs> shop. And, yeah, you, you can't, you know, for us northern guys, like, you can't fish. So you're like, oh, this is going to be awesome next year. So, you know, you're just buying up everything that looks good. And, yeah, it's a, it's a fun time of year. Oh, yeah. Well, dude, before, were you going to say something, Andy? I was going to say, I had to get out of the habit of buying stuff in the off season just because I would <laughs> accumulate so much junk that would just sit there that I would end up not using it because it's always the staple baits that you end up using. So it just kind of yep. sits there. I'm like, oh, this is cool. I should throw this and then set it back down two years later. I'm like, oh, I forgot I bought this. <laughs> So you, you say you stopped buying, but it like as if you like broke a habit, but we just signed out with Omnia and that was what helped you get out of that. So don't use that as an excuse like you broke a drug addiction. I, you, I you did kind of, like you can even ask Amanda, like my lovely wife, right? Like I used to have packages coming like twice a month, sometimes every week. Twice a month ain't bad. No, like, but there'd be like two, three, four hundred dollar orders, like just bad, bad. <laughs> Alex, is, is that bad or is that nothing? No, that's that's not bad at all. I have uh, I'm gonna, <laughs> for me, it's bad, all right, man. I, I'm gonna I'm gonna give a shout out to my buddy Paul in our group chat because like weekly he'll send us a screenshot of like four or five hundred dollar orders. Weekly, oh my god, great, <laughs> making yeah. the big bucks. <laughs> yeah, I wish, but yeah. I don't need that much guiding. So just <laughs> yeah. a few select baits and some weights and hooks. I'm pretty good. <laughs> Fair. Well, dude, uh, before we get too deep into the show, what we like to do with everyone that's new to the to the podcast is kick it back all the way to your beginning of how do you get started bass fishing? Who got you started on this, you know, addictive career path? You know, how did, how did it all begin? How did it all begin? Um, so I was kind of surrounded on both sides of the family. So my dad grew up in Cape Cod. Uh, my mom grew up on Lake Ontario. Um and so I kind of just like loved fishing since I was a kid, since I was, I think like at three years old, there's pictures of me like out on the dock fishing on Lake Ontario and uh, right over in Sandy Pond. Um, I had no idea how close to an amazing fisher I was, but um, yeah, it was just, I don't know, at an early age, I knew I wanted to be a professional fisherman as like kind of weird as it is to say, but um, I think it was like around 16 years old was when my dad was like, all right, if you really want to go do this thing like you got to go jump in tournaments and um so i think it's 16 or yeah i think it's at 16 i joined a men's club my gym teacher was actually the president of a men's club so that was pretty cool and i got to talk fishing with him but like it was kind of wild you know like looking back i, I actually i spoke at our uh, cbn um our connecticut bass nation banquet and i was telling the story how like in science class, you know, my science teacher was a fisherman and my gym teacher was the president of this club and they were talking to each other and they're like, yeah, you know, I was throwing like a green pumpkin Sanko, five inch Sanko with a eighth ounce black, you know, worm weight. And like, to me, that was like a foreign language. So, you know, I'm like, man, like, what is this like Texas rig that they're talking about? And like a offset wide gap hook. And so it was, um, I was like, I got, I got to learn this. And so join the men's club is just a co-angler just to try to understand how tournaments worked. And um, so I just went from that to joining the uh, junior bass masters at the time before the whole high school thing started. I was kind of right on the tail end of that. And uh, it, it was just cool. This guy, Terry Baxay, um, who was the you know head of that junior bass masters kind of took me under his wing and, and taught me a lot of stuff. And um, the first year in the junior bass masters, I ended up winning the the state tournament and then went to uh, 
the divisional, which happened to be hosted by Connecticut that year, so it was on Candlewood, won that by two ounces, and then went to the Junior World Championship in Louisiana, um, and that was pretty cool, and uh, ended up winning that by two ounces. So it was it was like a it was a crazy experience, and that kind of just solidified the fact that you know I wanted to do that for a living. So basically, what you're saying is if you because you have a do you have a Bassmaster Opens win? Uh, no, no, I have a lot of close ones, but no win. I don't know why I thought, I thought you had a, a first place for the, for the opens, but I was about to say like, so you're trying to be like an Ike and win every level of, of Bass Nation, essentially. I, I would love to do that. I would have to be in that. That is still an open, uh, checkbox. So. Yeah. I say the youth ones, you can't go back to, but at least the opens one. you can have yeah. <laughs> Well, at least I got the youth one out of the way since, yeah, That's I right. can go backwards, but yeah. everything else is good. <laughs> For sure, <laughs> we have uh we have our pal Mr. Joe LaBarbera here in the comments, and uh, he's asking what the elites means for your paintball. Do you? Oh do you like yeah, well, what do you mean? <laughs> yeah, I um, so I mean, it'll probably come out, but like I, I know there's a lot of extremely competitive guys on the elite series, but like I'm, I'm hopefully would think that I'm right up there because you know, unfortunately, anything I do is has to be competitive so like you know i jumped back into paintball and i was like oh this is fun i enjoyed playing it and sure enough like within a couple months i joined a team and started doing tournaments and you know jumped into that whole thing so um yeah i i uh, had to give that up though i mean maybe i'll try to jump into one because i always try to do way more than i can uh handle but yeah it's it's hard to give that up because it's just the you know, it, it is a lot of fun and it's, um, it's speed, for any of the guys that actually play paintball. It's, it's, it's speedball. So it's like, you know, a football field with inflatables and it's, mm. uh, 15 balls a second and it, it, it goes quickly. Dang. I, I've seen like videos of it. It looks <laughs> yeah, very fast. You got some yeah, down months throughout the schedule this year. You can hop in some. Yeah. I, you know, if I have like an off day, I'm, I definitely might try to find one in some state. Yeah. See, I think it'd be funny for you to drag some of the current elite boys along with you. Oh, that, that, that would be a lot of fun. You know what? I'm going to, I'm going to, yeah, I'm going to do that. Yeah, I see a proposal coming. Like, yeah. all right, boys. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> There's definitely a few characters I would love to see getting shot at in paintball. Yeah. <laughs> oh, if, that would be great. If Matt yeah. Robertson comes, he'll probably go like sleeveless with just the helmet on. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. Guys are showing up to like weigh ins with welts on them. Yeah. That'd be yeah. Awesome. Yeah. <laughs> they're wearing their fishing jerseys to the the paintball and they're coming back <laughs> splattered yeah it's perfect. <laughs> oh, i love that well dude so i know you already talked about you know you've always kind of wanted to go professional you kind of had this feeling like this is what you wanted to do you know for a while mm-hmm. um i feel like at that point mentally as an angle you probably think i there's a lot of things you need to work on there's different you're always studying always a student of the game uh, taking, you know, downtime to work on different techniques and such. But, you know, with that, you know, with a little bit of self-reflection, what would you say is your strengths as an angler and maybe also your weakness as an angler? Uh, so I think uh, my strength as an angler is probably um, I, I don't feel like I'm one of those guys where I'm good at one thing, you know, or like, in, and I think that's kind of a transitioning um factor for a lot of people it seems like that's really changed right from like having the guys like a tommy biffle or someone that you know was known for flipping and you know it was in those events that they would shine and then the rest of the year you know you wouldn't really see him much but um it seems like 
a lot of people coming up now have to be really well-rounded. And, and I think that's a strength of mine. You know, like when people ask me, what's my favorite technique, it's, it's kind of hard to answer just because, you know, for me, it's just whatever is happening in that moment. And I seem to do well um, decision-making. So uh, I'd say that's my strength. I'd say uh, my weakness and definitely my weakness in the past has also been um, in, in some degrees, decision-making. Um, and just, just certain factors, um, just kind of ha- allowing things to go wrong and, um, not making the right decisions on the water and missing potential opportunities out there on the water. And I think I've learned from that a lot. Um, and, and I would say a weakness too, is like, I, I definitely recognize there's still techniques that I can get a lot better at. You know, I, I say I'm well-rounded in the sense of like, I, there's a lot of, I don't really have one favorite, but, um, I'm not well-rounded in the sense that there's definitely, um, a whole host of techniques where I feel like I have a long ways to progress. Um, but you know, I think recognizing that and and being real about that is, you know, one way to improve on those. Now, when you say decision-making as a weakness, do you mean like, not making decisions fast enough? Do you think doubting certain decisions? Like, what do you mean by that? Uh, I just mean there's, um, there's been a lot of learning, not a learning curve, but just learning circumstances of, uh, you know, I can give you specific examples of, of like me. So I've, I've led Bassmaster Opens multiple times and, and there's just been days where now that I look back on it, you know, now I've learned, okay, I should have done this or I, I should have done that. You know, like in Florida, when I was leading day two, you know, I, I, and, and, you know, it's very easy to like Monday morning quarterback things, but like, you know, so that day two, uh, you know, I caught 25 pounds like pretty quickly and I decided to hold off on them. And then day three, um, we had storms come in and, and rain and it just shut my areas down, you know, and I was getting fish to bite, but they weren't committing. They were just kind of grabbing the the tail of the bait. And, you know, like I could have made adjustments there as well, you know, so, you know, should I have, it's now I've kind of learned about Florida. Hey, like when they're biting, they bite one day and some, you know, the next day they may not, and you need to capitalize on, on those days. And I didn't do that, you know, and then the same thing with like on day three, Um, you know, I thought I was prepared for different scenarios, but then when those storms came in and the fish bit completely different, um, looking back, I could have done a lot of different things to adjust and try. And and I didn't, and I feel like I missed out on those opportunities. Um, so yeah, I mean, hopefully that answers that question. Yeah, definitely. Andy, you got anything on that? Uh, It just sounds like as you're gaining confidence and learning fishing different regions in the country, it just comes down like a common saying in fishing, right? We just got to trust our gut more and rely on our experiences of the past and constant learning going forward. So it's just fishing in general. You just have to trust yourself and your instincts. Yeah. Yeah. And and fishing is such an interesting sport because um, no matter how physically gifted you are, there's so much that experience brings to the table. Um, and, and that's something that is just hard for younger guys coming into it because there's a lot of those situations and scenarios that, you know, other pros would, will know, Oh, you know, obviously X, Y, or Z, you know, means this. And and I don't know that, especially as you said, being a Northern angler coming down South, you know, that a lot of this is new for me. And so unfortunately it's been through some of these situations that have hurt a little bit and missed out on opportunities. But, you know, now I feel a lot more, as you said, a lot more confident going into different scenarios that I'm better prepared and have learned a lot about those. Yeah. It's kind of crazy how like every other sport is so physical and then fishing is like, 
98% mental. <laughs> yep. It, yep. Yeah, it really is. It's, it's so interesting. I've definitely learned to adapt BP's five second rule when it comes to decision making. Where make if you lean towards a decision, if you don't change it within five seconds, you're stuck making that decision. Yep. Because <laughs> that's typically yep. what your gut's telling you. Yep. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Thinking like thinking twice, and it's like all those secondary thoughts that come in, and then you like end up changing your decision. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, a lot of people do that. Well, I, I think too, uh, and correct me if I'm not if I'm wrong here, but uh, us, I mean Andy and I fish uh, Finger Lakes, uh, different lakes around you know Western Central New York. Um, and I, I believe Connecticut is the same way that you've, you have some lakes that are crystal clear and whether it's different portions of those lakes or different lakes, uh, outside of that, that you can experience dirty water. So it's not like you're afraid of any, you know, Florida tannic water or anything along those lines. If you get into some mud situations, he has one of the toughest places on earth to fish near him, the Connecticut river. I'm sorry. <laughs> Oh, you don't have to apologize. I love that place. I absolutely love that place. Yeah, that that is a grimy river. Yeah, uh, it's funny you say that, like, because we even have a lake, like, there's a lake called Kangamon, which is pretty, like, you know, I say it's a lake, but obviously that's that's relative. But uh, it's funny because there's three different, you know, ponds that connect that and, and make up that lake. And literally from... North pond, you have like 10 foot visibility. And then middle pond is like Candlewood where it's like a normal, you know, three to four foot visibility. And then South pond is like one. So like you can go fish three different places on the same body of water. So, um, yeah. And I I think just in general fishing up North, uh, although you do get less time throughout the year fishing it, uh, I think there's so many different lakes and rivers and, um, just, just situations. and, And I feel like, in that sense, you can get a really well-rounded angler that comes out of the north. Yeah, I mean, when we when you really evaluate it, there's definitely some places that you can relate to the south. Like, there's some little oh, yeah. old lakes that no one really thinks about that is muddy, all laydowns everywhere, and you look at that, and you're like, okay, I can apply this down south in a lot of yeah. different situations. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, and that's like the Connecticut River is why I did so well on the James River, um, you know, this past year. And so it, uh, yeah, it's nice. It's nice. I don't, I don't feel like, um, you know, yeah, Florida is really different. And some of these places are are different. But like, it, it is nice, because there's not too many places that I go to where I'm like, okay, I haven't really seen anything like this. Right. And I know you mentioned decision-making and you used Florida as an example, but I think Florida is the one place you could be like, if I made a wrong decision, it's Florida. And that's, yeah. that's you could chalk yeah, it up. Florida is like its own entity in the bass fishing world. Oh, and yeah. maybe like South Texas, but that's pretty much it. Uh-oh. Oh, no. Did we lose him? Computer fell asleep. Uh, you know what I bet? Oh, oh there, there he is. I got I got a phone call on it. It, it I, threw me off. Yeah. I was literally just about to say, I bet he's got like a MacBook or something, and it's yeah. you got you got to either FaceTime or phone call. Yeah, uh, that's funny. Well, dude, I mean, what do you for you know obviously rookie season first year? What is the the biggest thing you're looking forward to, and then maybe one thing you're probably most nervous about? Um, biggest thing I'm looking forward to is um. Hmm. Biggest thing that I'm looking forward to, I would say probably, I mean, one of those is, is the fact that I just made the elite series. Right. So that's, um, <laughs> it's been, 
five or six years on the opens. And so just, just doing that and just feeling like, uh, you know, finally made an accomplishment, but at the same time, you know, feeling like there's so much more that is not accomplished yet. So, um, you know, that, that's really cool. And I'm really looking forward to fishing some of these places that I feel really confident about. Um, and I'd say to that same degree on the flip side, there's, I think maybe only two places I've actually been to, which is, uh, Champlain and, and St. Lawrence. And so, um, outside of that, I'm, I'm pretty, uh, you know, a little nervous, you know, going to all of these new places and, uh, having, you know, only two, two and a half days to practice them and try to compete with some of these guys that have a, a ton of experience on these bodies of water. Right. And with that, uh, Michael Bradley in the comments asked, is there an event you're most excited about? So I'm really excited about Florida for whatever reason, you know, I've always done well in Florida. You know, I have like, I think three out of four times I've come in the top 10 so it just grass fishing fits me really well. And I'm, I'm really excited about that. Um, and then I would say I'm really excited about Champlain and, and uh, you know, Lake Ontario too, just because of the, the quality of fishing there is and coming from the North and, and, you know, understanding it a little bit. Um, um, I'm pretty excited to go catch some smallmouth up there. I was say you're probably pretty close to Champlain, right? Yeah. It's four hours away from me, but I, I mean, I will, I will, readily admit that there is a lot that I still have to learn, you know, on, on those places, but, um, because it's close to me, it's a little easier to potentially go there for a weekend and get some extra practice in versus, mm -hmm. you know, going to say Texas and the Sabine and, you know, it's kind of hard to make it out there. Right. Yeah. I think, I think Champlain, it's not really for, for folks that have fished Champlain, like it's not a hard place to figure out. It's the problem that it's so damn big. It's just oh, yeah. so much ground. Like, to where get. do you start? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh. yeah, it's a lot. Yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. So, I mean, heading into heading into this season, you know, do you are you uh, adjusting anything? You know, from practice to uh, how you you prep uh, for these tournaments, like you did in the opens. Are you changing anything now that you're going the elite series, or are you just going to kind of hit event one and and see what uh, what needs to change for event two? Um, so research wise, I'm, I'm kind of doing the same thing. I've kind of dialed in, you know, the, what I feel very confident in terms of research and, and doing as much as I can before I actually hit the water to understand and know, um, especially like anytime you go to a brand new body of water, it's really intimidating. And the more research you can do and the more you can learn about just, just the names of like areas, for example, and then you go to that area like, Oh, okay, this is so-and-so and it just, it gives you a little bit more confidence. It helps you to narrow down, you know, especially like Okeechobee. Okeechobee is like massive. And, you know, and then on top of that, everything looks the same, you know, but then watching videos and doing research and doing everything that, you know, the average fisherman would do online just to try to, you know, learn a body of water that they fish um, just tries to, you know, helps me minimize some of that. And then uh, I'd say the other thing that I'm doing is uh, one thing I'm doing differently is for me is, is practice. So I am trying to, what I would just say is pre-practice, uh, you know, some of these places and, and go there for two or three days. But what I'm doing differently is I'm not fishing it at all. Right. And so, especially because it's over a month away. So fishing it can, you know, in a lot of ways, things are going to change a lot. So for me, it's more important to just drive around the lake, look at areas, get familiar with how to drive, you know, especially, um, Seminole. Like I went there for two days and that is like, 
kind of a crazy place because <laughs> yeah, in <laughs> timber anywhere. And as soon as you get out of that channel, it's just like, you know, it's a minefield. So it, um, yeah, it's pretty, it's pretty interesting, but yeah, doing that, like not fishing, you know, like, like I definitely feel like I fished the opens and practiced for those very efficiently. I wasn't like, um, I've talked to some people about this before. Like I don't practice to find a spot, you know, on the lake, I practice to find an area and then I'll hone in on that area and find spots in that area during the tournament. And that just allows me to see more of the lake and find more areas. And especially when you have, you know, less guys on the elite series, but more guys in the opens, except the elite series guys are all better. So they're probably going to be fishing a lot of those, you know, better and similar areas. And so you've to the same degree, there's less guys, but you still need to have a lot more backup spots to go to. And the best way to do that is to, travel around the lake more and just find more areas instead of only having three spots that you have so dialed in come tournament day but then when someone's on that spot well now you have nothing else to run to so i, I think that is going to help me out a lot I, w- I always like this conversation of finding an area over finding a spot because yep. it, we, we've talked about it a couple times in the show where like fighter said after his aoi where he wants to be like he wants to be 70% confident, basically. I should say 70% confident. He said 70%. Like, he doesn't want to be 100% on knowing what's going on in the event. Like, in practice, he wants to figure just a few things out and then let the tournament be where he fully explores what he found in practice. Uh, I think that one's an interesting one. And I think I really like the, the pre-practice idea of just riding around, where a lot of people, I think, can get trapped in fishing, and they get trapped in, hey, I caught him here but your tournament's four months away, like yep, yep. probably not the, probably not information that you should hold, you know, solid for <laughs> when you come back. Um, I, I really I, like the point. Yeah. Just one note to that. Like I remember fishing some of the like Bass Nation divisionals and like there was one year where I was a co-angler and not a boater. And I remember like going to a spot and, you know, it was just like totally different from what us as a team had found during the, the week leading up to the tournament and, you know, like we were to say like 30 feet, you know, in the middle of the lake and, and everything is on the bank that we're catching. And so I just said to the guy, I'm like, Hey, you know, did you actually catch any fish here? And he was like, well, yeah, like two months ago, I came here and caught a bunch. And I was just like, Oh man, you know, it's just like, this is one of those. And, and guys do get sucked into doing that. And it just doesn't go well majority of the time. Yeah. I mean, it's, I feel like there's a stage as an, like as an angler in your development where it's hard to do away with what you've done well in the past and like being Mm -hmm. able to like for you, like going uh, each year on the elites or the opens and you have a schedule and you come back to a lake that you've been there before. I feel like it's hard to go there with a brand new, like, like a clean slate and not go. And I'm sure you probably go check on some old stuff if you you think it might be relevant for the time of year, but I feel like it's hard to not like, think about the previous event or the previous time we've been on that lake. It's hard to, and I feel like the people that can look at a lake they've been to already numerous times and look at it like a clean slate, I think are the people that are typically do well at recurring on those events. Oh yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So I'll give you an example, like a specific example of that is this past year. uh, I think it was, I think it was April um, for that James river tournament um, in Virginia. And so I had been there, I think, twice maybe even three times before that and so you know of course as you said right so going into it i'm like okay 
I know all of this stuff and it should be perfect for pre-spawn. And so I go there and I check some of it and I don't get bit on any of it. And I'm like, okay. But one thing I did good was I quickly threw all that out and I didn't get sucked into like, okay, well, it's the next spot's going to have him or the next spot, you know, it was, it was like, okay, I need to look at this as a bigger picture and realize like, this is just not, you know, working out. So went back to, okay, like square one, I don't know anything. Like I need to, you know, find some fish. And I think this is a really good example because um, I had like three days of really crappy bad practice where you know like you start hearing the doc talk from some of your buddies and guys are catching like one big one here or there and you're catching a you know a couple small fish and i'm like man i i am a day away from you know the first day of the tournament and i have no confidence whatsoever and i ended up just going to this new area of the lake or the the river and um ended up like, I remember I pulled up to one spot and, uh, the guy that was actually traveling with me as a co-angler, he ended up catching like a five pounder behind me. And so we kind of tucked that in the back of our heads and I go to a different area. I pull up, I make one cast and I catch a four and I was like, okay, I'm, I'm out of here and I leave. And so that entire area, I really had did not fish at all, but I just knew this is the only place where I've actually caught big fish um and so i ended up going back there in the tournament and just expanding and then finding spots during the tournament um and and to your exact point with what fighter said like i had enough confidence to say hey like at least i've seen some big fish this week but like the reality was there was a lot that i didn't know about um but because you know i spent a lot of time driving around and looking at spots even though a lot of those didn't pan out i was able to eliminate a lot of water and there's a lot of value in that. And some people, to um, to your point with the whole mental side of things, some people can't have a bad practice. And I'm able to have a bad practice and say, yeah, it was a bad practice, but I did eliminate a lot of water. And as long as you're confident about that, that goes a long ways. And so I kind of hunkered down in this one particular area, expanded in that area, found spots and did really, really well. Yeah, it's always the interesting part of practice, especially because – back to your point of, you know, when you're with buddies and like they're catching them type of deal and it makes you start to like, it's so hard to ignore it, especially oh, yeah. when you like, if you know, if they're like a consistent angler and a good angler and the chances are they'll, they do well in tournaments. Like it's hard not to factor in that information, especially if they know they're not going to BS you. Right. Um, but I, I totally agree that. I mean, you hear that it's the cliche saying now, right? Like good practices equal bad, equal bad tournaments, bad, pra bad practices equal good tournaments. Like, you yep. hear every guy on stage say it now. Um, I think it's a good mindset to have. Right? Like if you're able to have a bad practice and not panic or not get negative about the event, I, I think that's something like mentally is uh, is a strength. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I, I think that is probably the biggest area of growth that I've had fishing the opens. You know, I, I can't say – like I, I never felt like any of the techniques that I did or just the way I fished. You know, I think um, – mechanics wise and decision making of like when to move spots and do things like that, you know, was pretty strong. And I've had co-anglers like comment on that. And so it has given me confidence in those areas, but from a practice standpoint, by far I've grown the most in being able to, you know, mentally be okay with a bad practice or learn a lot from having a bad practice and eliminate a lot of things or knowing what not to do and not feeling like I need to go catch a ton of, I mean, I, I have buddies who do that, who go and catch a ton of fish and practice before some of these opens and then come tournament time, you know, they don't do well. And it's like, well, you know, a, 
you know, you caught a lot of those. Caught all of them. <laughs> yeah. And then, and then B, you know, you end up running out of spots because you go to these spots and you think no one's going to find them. And there's three guys sitting on the spot. You thought you were the only one that was going to find. And, and then you got no, you know, backup plan and you know, you're running around with your head cut off. So. Yeah. I, I don't think you'll find a lot of that on the elite series. Where no, no, definitely not. Definitely <laughs> not. No, it's uh, you, you definitely got to be dialed in every single event. And, and, yep. and, but I like that challenge. I, I like this next level of, you know, fishing and I'm really looking forward to that. Dude, there's something exciting though about that. Like when you advance, like whether you're a kid in athletics or you're fishing or whatever it may be, when you go up a level, there's something really exciting to one, be confident in what you can do, but then two, be curious about how you stack up. I think there's oh, yeah. some really big excitement in that. Yeah. Yeah. The, the competitive side of me, like I want to compete against the best in like everything that I do, you know, like I, yeah, it's nice. Like whooping up on people and, and doing things like that at a low level. Yeah. Like whatever <laughs> sport it is. Right. But like, I, I want to compete against the best and um, I think it just pushes you. It obviously pushes you to become a better angler or a better whatever sport it is because you need to go match that. And the competitive side of me is okay with losing, but like if, if we're playing foosball or we're playing whatever, like I will play you again a hundred times in a row and my friends know this and it's so frustrating, but like I'll play you a hundred times until I win. So like I'm okay with losing. I just want to get better until I can beat you. I love that. Cause that me too. Yeah. I would say that's literally same track mind here where it's actually like a point where it gets I, like, I was the kid, like the gym class heroes, the title I got as like a senior in high school, like, you know, they give like the awards <laughs> at the end of your thing. Yeah. That guiltily, guiltily, that was me. So I can same track mind. Yeah. Um, so we have a couple more questions for you and then we have some fun questions to wrap the show up, but I do want to kick it over to some of the viewer questions that we got coming in the comments. But before we do that, Andy, is there anything you have on your end? Oh, I have do I do have one question. I know last year, following your page, you ran a CX twenty one K miss, right? Mm -hmm. Why did you switch to the twenty footer this year? Um, so the biggest reason for that was uh, the twenties are a little bit faster, and I'm hoping, and I've kind of found out that like I don't feel a big difference from a twenty to twenty one. You know, like it. Yes. Um, you know, it's definitely a little longer. There's a little extra space, but like uh, it, the 20 is more than enough for what I'm doing. And the biggest reason I did it was because the 20 is a little bit faster. And again, to the point of like any potential advantage that I can have, you know, I want to do. So if I can get, push a boat to 74, 75, um, I'm going to be able to potentially throughout the entire year, get on a few extra spots that I wouldn't have been able to and that will potentially give me an extra couple of fish. And for that reason alone, I ended up going with a 20. Yeah. I've heard nothing but good things about the 20. Like it's great in rough water. It's yep. a rocket ship. I have a CX 19 and I guide out of it on Lake Erie and I love that boat. So it's great in rough water, even at 19 foot nine. Well, I'm glad to, I'm glad to hear that. Cause I haven't <laughs> taken this one in big water yet. Yeah. I got, I bought my boat at Thayer's and when I was there talking to Richie, he was talking about, you're a problem. Well, he was talking about you switching to a 20, but he was telling me how much you love the 21. Oh yeah. So, yeah. 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 So, and I think there's, um, there's a little bit of trade off, right? Like a 21 in big water is nice because you have that extra length. And so, you know, you might spear a few less ways, but the 20 is kind of more nimble. 
And, you know, from the guys that have 20s, they say they really like it in big water just because of, you know, the maneuverability. And so, um, yeah, I, I, I didn't really have any issues switching to a 20. It's the first year I've ever done it. Um, but I talked to enough people that said, hey, yeah, you know, 20 is still more than enough for what you're going to do. Yeah, I would agree that that Bailey's been on my boat, the CX-19. It fishes way bigger than what it is. So I, I thoroughly am impressed with the Camus bass boat line. I, I don't know what I'll do on my next boat, but I, it, I might lean a 20 probably. Right. So, if I can get it in my garage at my next house. Yeah, I, I hear that all the time. <laughs> so, Doesn't fish as big as my Hobie though. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so I'm gonna I'm gonna kick it to some uh, some viewer questions here. We have Ryan Crowley who's asking, "Do you think the Sabine will fit your wheelhouse from all your Connecticut River experience?" Oof, um, it seems that way. It definitely seems that way. Um, but uh, you know, I, I don't know. It. Um, I think the Connecticut river has taught me a ton, you know, and, and this one guy in particular that, um, you know, one of my good buddies, Dan Stevens has, has really taught me an absolute ton about just current and river fishing. And just to be able to put that together on the Connecticut river has, uh, you know, that's why like now and anytime I go to a, um, river system or a tidal body of water, you know, there's just, uh, man, it's just kind of wild the amount that you can learn and know about those things. And, you know, for example, like it's also tough going to new bodies of water like that because experience on tidal bodies of water is so valuable because you can fish the right spot at the wrong time. And so it's like, how do you cover water and try to find things? Because it's not like, yeah, I covered all this stuff. Well, you covered the stuff, but you didn't cover it at the right time. And so, um, yeah, um, um, to answer the question, I'm, I'm hoping, and I believe that at least from just having title experience that I should hopefully, you know, come in there with some confidence and do well enough at the Sabine. Yeah. I think you've heard, you've heard that a little bit about like some of the Ohio boys, like you hear from the Ohio river, another tough fishery, like it comes to an advantage when you have something, especially the fact that you like that river, you said that earlier, I think that that could definitely be of help. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I personally, um, so there's a guy in my club, Mickey, and uh, you know, he's very similar to me and, and just extremely competitive. And both of us talk about it all the time. Like we like tough fisheries because it just, you know, if a from the mental side and then B just from, you know, it's nice. Cause like Florida, I feel like you can just have a guy run into a 30 pound bag. You know, whereas like on a really tough body of water, you have to have like every single decision be the right one. And, you know, you're not going to have some guy come out of the blue and catch a giant sack like you really each and every day is really valuable. Yeah. And I think it's it almost comes to back like what Ike and Ellie talks about all the time, where there's the anglers that te- seem to do really well from an angle of the year standpoint, like you'll never win the slug fest, but the events where it's just getting five bites that are easier to set yourself apart. If you have that mindset, typically you're more consistent. Like, yeah, yeah, that definitely makes a lot of sense. Yeah. We have one here from uh, a question here from Anthony Geis to being a rookie. What's the tackle setup like uh, between trying new techniques, listening to doc talk or just staying true to what you have confidence in? Um, I tackle wise, um, I am definitely very open to doing new techniques and, um, 
like big swim baits and glide baits. That's an area of like weakness of mine that I don't have a lot of experience in. So definitely we'll be trying to put some time into to doing that. And I definitely don't, um, I don't want to like close myself off by saying, Hey, I'm only going to fish what I'm confident in because you know, that's where I think I do have some strength of, Hey, if this situation sets up right for X, Y, or Z, I'm going to try that and I'm going to do that. And maybe not as good as some other people, but, um, I'm not one of those people that says, Hey, I'm going to put this rod in my hand. Cause that's what I'm good at. And that's what I have confidence in. And that's all I'm going to do. Um, and then even just from a tackle standpoint, physically, like I try to be, I try to balance it as much as I can. I try to be as efficient as I can. And, and I do want to fish confident baits and, and whatnot, but at the same time, um, I don't want to try too much. I don't want to put too much tackle in my boat. I try to be very, efficient in a 20 foot boat is a good example of that of like i am so specific and so um analytical about every little thing when it comes to that with uh, just the way i set up my electronics and the mounts on the boat to the tackle and where i put that in the boat i think it was aaron martin's in a seminar that was talking about uh every every one pound in the back of the boat is equal to three pounds in the front so, you know, it's really important to distribute the weight and all the tackle in your boat correctly. And um, that'll be an interesting thing as a rookie, trying to be prepared for a ton of different scenarios. While at the same time, I don't want to like have too much tackle in the boat. Um, so, yeah, that'll, that'll be interesting. Uh, that is always one thing. I mean, maybe it's just the kayak angler in me, but like bringing too much stuff versus having the right stuff and being prepared for like the old crap situations. And mm -hmm. yeah, maybe it's the fact that like, if you guys are three miles away from the ramp, it takes you two minutes to get there where me, it'll take me 45 minutes to an hour to get back. Yep. Yeah. Well, you know, what's funny is like, is like, you see this the most in co-anglers because <laughs> you see this most in co-anglers because you'll have that guy bring a 60 pound tackle bag and he never goes into it one time you know, and he just fishes what's on his rods. And it's like, you knew what you were going to do all day, but you have so many what if scenarios in your head and you, you prepare for everything you might possibly imagine. But a lot of times you never touch any of that stuff. It's, I have a funny, like the way I come, when I hop in other people's boats, I actually laugh about like how little tackle I bring. It'll be like five rods and a drawstring bag with like <laughs> hooks, weights, like a couple bags of plastics. I might need a couple crankbaits, a couple jerkbaits in one plano box. I'm like, okay, I'm good. I've covered what I think I need today. And if I don't catch them, it's my own fault. But as a co-angler, you should be willing to fish your confidence because you don't need as many bites specifically in like Bassmaster Open tournaments as your pro angler, right? So you should really fish what your confidence is out of the back. So you should be able to limit it down to just a few things, in my personal opinion. Yeah, I completely agree. Because I, I think as soon as you, if you get the guy and where he, uh, you know, as soon as your your boater catches a fish, you're immediately diving into your bag to like put on whatever he just caught. Like, this day's you're, over. You're, yeah, you already lost. You already lost. So... Yeah, I won't get into the whole story, but there I had a calling where one time it was actually on the James River where he, man, he brought the 70 pound tackle bag and, uh, and, you know, and then he brought like six rods and I'm like, okay, like, you know, well, we'll no, he brought like 10 or 12 rods. And I said, okay, you know what? Like, I'm so, I mean, I understand that guy, you know, is invested too. And I want him to do well. So a lot of times, like 
I'll say, hey, I'll put any extra rods you want in your, you know, in my rod locker just to try to help you out because I know it can suck as a co-angler having your rods all all tied up and, you know, and then like, hey, if you have rain gear or whatever, like I'll, I'll put, you know, stuff in. But this guy brought a 70 pound tackle bag and I was like, oh, okay, you know, and then he brings, you know, his rain gear and his clothes and, you know, we put that in the back behind his seat and then he has like his entire big lunch bag and he brought, you know, like a, you know, three entree meal. And I'm like, okay, you know, it's, it's kind of a lot of tackle, but like, we're going to go with it. And then, and then all of a sudden he gives me like one of those big grocery bags and, you know, it's like all of his, you know, extra baits. So I, I put that in my front rod locker and then he gives me another entire bag and it's all of his medication. And then he gives, and then he gives me another, he had, I've never seen this since he had, uh, worm bags. He had six worm bags connected with a trout stringer and he had a worm bag on each trout stringer, like nunchucks, like through this entire thing, like like Christmas, like, and he, and he hands me this entire thing. And I'm at that point, I'm like, Oh, this guy has more tackle than I do. And tried to make the best of it but uh yeah that was that was the worst i've ever seen someone oh my god how many rods did he have uh 12 oh my god (laughs) like technically you're supposed to bring six but i don't want to be that guy that's like you know i i don't know i'm just not i try to appease right like if you work together it usually is that gives you the best outcome but this guy made it really hard (laughs) holy see like i did i did the bassmaster opens once as a rookie i did two events two years ago and some of the stuff I saw was like, like I felt like one, I was doing something wrong at first, but I was just kind of laughing at the amount of stuff that some people would bring, like waiting for their boater or something to show up. I'm like, I mean, St. Lawrence, I drew Chris Johnston and I'm like, okay, I'm bringing a drawstring bag, a water and two rods. <laughs> like, you yep. know, it's St. Lawrence river, <laughs> yeah. right? I mean, it's, it's pretty yeah. straightforward, but it, like, it's some of the stuff like people, like I saw one guy he had, I couldn't count how many damn spinning rods he had it's it's a it's it makes you laugh yeah really yeah you know early on that guy terry when i when i made the uh junior bassmaster world championship and i was going to louisiana like first time i'm really ever going out of state and he was like he actually said to me he goes you need to bring like five rods or less and i'm like what like i'm thinking like 12 rods like you know three different square bill crankbaits and you know x y and z and and that kind of thinking like forced me to say, Hey, like I need to be real with myself as well. I'm actually going to use. And, and it goes a long ways. It helps a lot. Yeah. I feel like it helps like mentally too. Forces oh, you. Yeah, for sure. up Cause you're not thinking stuff. about the 70 pound tackle box and the 12 rods and what color you should be throwing. So that's the mental. Yeah. Of it, right. It's like, so oh, straightforward. Yeah. I mean, we, we had Brian new on here like oh, well over a year ago. I think it was when he qualified for the elites. And we talked about that, like our, him being arguably one of the best co-anglers in tournament history. And he's just like, he goes, if you just keep it simple, like chances are you're probably going to cash a check if you're like if your voters around somebody's like a drop shot for smallmouth or largemouth and a Senko. Like you're probably <laughs> going to cash on all those around the yep. country. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Because like, you only need is three bites, right? Like in the opens yeah. as a co-angler, you need three bites. Yeah. Like if you get three bites, you're doing okay. Mm-hmm. Usually. Right. Right. So we have uh, we have another question here from Basser Mike that I think is going to be I'm pretty I'm fairly curious about. Um, he said, "How is the welcoming for new Elite Series uh, newcomers like for rookies? Have you talked to any of the guys yet? Are you traveling with anybody?" 
So I'm not traveling with anyone because I, because I know so few people, um, the few people I do know, you know, already have travel, you know, partners and buddies. So haven't, uh, haven't fit in at all yet, but, um, yeah, it's, it, it's interesting. Um, I, uh, I, I, you know, I, I don't really know. There's some guys like some rookies that like know everybody. Right. And so it's like very easy to, to transition in and I'm coming in hardly knowing anyone. So, um, I haven't, we haven't like had a meeting, I guess last year they had some big meeting before the event or something. So, you know, a lot of people met people and I've met a couple people on the water. Um, and I've just met uh, a few people over the course of the last couple of years, but, um, so far I'm, I'm still kind of in the dark on things and I got a, I got a lot to learn. So I'm, I'm the, the new nobody. Yeah. The new kid at school. Yep. <laughs> now is your time. Like you can really punk some people. Yeah. They don't know you. <laughs> exactly. I will. I'm definitely going to try to take advantage of that. Yeah. I'm sure there's some characters that uh, you probably could get pretty good too. Um, so one of the questions I have, uh, we're going to start wrapping things up here a little bit. We're going almost an hour. Um, but I, I wanted to talk about prior into the show is, you know, being from the Northeast, obviously we have a lot of diverse fisheries as we talked about earlier in the show, but um, you know, take like a Lake Seminole, for example, that's down south. It's fairly unique in that we don't really have, you know, these stump fields, minefields, as we talked about that Lake Seminole is. You know, what are some ways that, you know, your first time on that body of water as someone from a completely different region of the country that you're trying to do to help under, help yourself understand it, help yourself break it down, you know, the first time you put the boat in? Yeah. Yeah. So. Uh, you can, you, you know, the first thing you want to do is kind of put some parameters around what you are going to expect. And that comes from like, okay, water temperature, you know, what should you be expecting uh, time of year, you know, like season seasonally, you know, are you expecting them to be spawning or are you expecting post-spawn? So, you know, from like the general, you know, articles that you get from like these older guys you know there seems like every state there seems to be that like older guy that you know still is posting blogs for the last 20 years and you know maybe he doesn't give you the most specific information uh but some of it is very valuable just to give you some parameters and then also a parameter around like what should i expect to catch weight wise and, th and that's really important because you want to know if the 15 pounds that you're catching in practice is really good or you need to be catching 25 pounds and the 15 pounds isn't going to get you a check. So once you kind of understand, Hey, it's probably going to take 20 pounds a day to win. And, you know, maybe the fish are going to be on beds. And so I need to be looking shallow or do I need to be looking offshore? So you can kind of narrow some of that down. Um, it, it can be dangerous to do that because you don't want to put yourself in a box either. You know, you don't want to say, Hey, these fish are going to be spawning. And then Seminole, for example, you know, Brett Height, you know, did the total opposite of that and found a pattern nobody else was doing. So if you go down there with too many preconceived notions, it, it can hurt you. But mm -hmm. um, to your point earlier on, you know, you said some of these guys that are new coming into the thing are usually the ones that do better because they don't have all that history to to throw them off. So um, I think generally speaking, because you're getting all this information online and and for me, that looks like the articles online from, you know, whoever and specific articles from, you know, tournament results and what guys were using and what baits and what colors and, you know, X, Y, and Z. And obviously there is a, there's some, uh, you know, gray area to that because not everybody always tells the truth and not everybody, you know, shows what they actually caught. And you have to remember that too, but it, it can at least point you in the right direction. 
Um, and then also watching YouTube videos. And that is like, especially nowadays in the last five years, I'd say, you know, you can literally find uh, tournaments and guys with their GoPro from previous tournaments and watch them fish almost as if you're a co-angler or a marshal in the boat. And you can learn a lot just from that. And that's, put, you know, that's invaluable in a lot of ways because you can't, you know, BS your way, you know, with a yeah. camera in your boat watching you catch fish on this tournament. So um, I think if you do all of those different things, it can really put a lot of things into perspective and really give you some confidence going into a body of water. So when you go to a place like Seminole, uh, if we're using that as an example, like before I even go there or when I show up, I already know the names of all the different arms. I already know, hey, like at least historically, this area is really good for spawning or this area, you know, this this creek arm is really clear water in the spring, whereas this one's muddy. So maybe I don't want to spend a whole day in this arm because it's muddy. Maybe I want to spend a quarter of a day and just see, whereas, you know, I'll uh, allocate some more of my practice time. And so you can, you know, narrow things down like that. And I feel like the more you do that and the more prepared you are before you even come to the lake, um, it, it takes a lot of guesswork out of the way and at least just gives you parameters in which you can work and expand a pattern. Yeah, I mean, shoot, the Bassmaster YouTube channel alone has all the rewinds that are like oh, six yeah. hours long that literally do like show you like, hey, this guy, he's leading the tournament. Here's where he's at on the lake. Yeah. Like, it shows you the yeah. whole map, like with a point and they're on to yep. it still still kind of surprises me that guys don't complain about that stuff. But yeah, I definitely think that's tough. You know, I, I see little to no fish finders now that actually show the map you know, on the camera, you know, everybody, you know, either has it on just sonar or turns it off on the back, you know, whereas like, I feel like if you look at like around 2010 and like earlier than that, like there's so many times where the camera, you know, shows the guy fishing and shows the back unit and shows like the GPS. And, you know, sometimes you even get like GPS coordinates on there. So yeah. And, and you know, you didn't have Bassmaster <laughs> showing like exact spots the way you do now, but that's yeah. kind of par, par for the course. Yeah, I mean, I guess it's, you know, a level playing field being that everyone has access to it. But, like, right. when they blow it up the map and you see, like, <laughs> you know, you're on Neely Henry and West Logan's head, like, you could see, okay, that's where you won the tournament. Like, you, you understand? Right. It's it's kind of interesting. I mean, I guess it's, that the fact that it's out there makes it a, a level playing field, but you're exposing some stuff. That's ridiculous. Oh, yeah. It's, I mean, it's, it yeah. is. Like, I have to imagine it's got to be frustrating for some of these guys because, like, you take a week to find this one spot, you know, and then Bassmaster shows you right in this one point and shows you the house in the background. And, you know, you got 30 guys going there the next week. Yeah. Or it's the not... next day. Yeah. Or the next day. I guess when there's a hundred grand on the line for each event, I think that kind of probably puts yeah. you in the equation. Yeah. But, uh, the window. Yeah. But then when you come back, you just got to know, you're like, Oh, they know where I was. If they, you know, if they do blow up that map and they see where everyone's at, but, yeah, when you, when you come back, that's now a community spot. Right. Yeah, everybody's been there in practice. Every fish has been caught. <laughs> yep. All right. Well, Andy, uh, I think we're going to let Alex go here in a second. We got a couple more questions, but uh, do you have anything for Alex before we hit him with the last questions? No, I've been enjoying the fluid conversation on all this, but I do want to say congrats for making the Elite Series and uh, show all those Southern boys what Northerners all all about again. It seems like lately a lot of the better anglers have been coming from the north, and it's been fun to watch. So good luck. 
Yeah, thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah, hopefully we see a few more guys coming from the north and not everybody's from down south. Yeah. Yeah, I, I got a feeling like, I mean, there's there's not too many that come from the northeast. It's like a lot of like your Midwest, like Wisconsin, Minnesota guys. But uh, I got a feeling that there's a there's a quite a few northeasterners that are coming up that uh, are going to start making the leap here, I think could do. I mean, uh, well, a friend of ours on the show, Kyle Patrick, almost made the elites last year. He did all nine. Casey Smith is fishing uh, the classic this year. He's one I really think he did all nine. He had a good. He would have a good shot to make it. Uh, Alex Coral is one that I don't think many people know about in here, but he pops in the comments, and I think if that dude, he's wait. I don't think he has the confidence in himself, but he is probably one of the best in New York State. And if he did all nine, I think he would make it too. Well, then he fished like the team trail championship down in Florida and had like a really good event a couple years ago. I feel like. Two years I ago, not, I do not recall, but I know he. I think he got eleventh at the team championship at Hartwell yeah. this year. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. yeah I, I feel like there's a like Connecticut, New York, and Pennsylvania specifically in the Northeast have some really, really good anglers. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, yeah. especially and, and they're the and this could mean this is applicable to just about almost every state, especially the South too. That there's guys like at your local bass nation or some of your local competitive trails that simply just don't either one don't want to, or can't go like go fish all nine or try to make a hundred percent. Yeah. yeah. There's, there's a lot of guys that for one reason or another, and Casey Smith is a good example of that. Like he hasn't fished all nine, but the dude's a phenomenal angler and, and a friend and he definitely could hang. And you know, for some guys it's family, some guys it's job or something else. And some of these guys don't do it, but yeah, I mean, there, I, I tell people that all the time, like, yeah, I made the elite series, but there's, it doesn't mean like, uh, you, you know, at the end of the day, there's, there's a ton, a ton of really, really good anglers. And just because you're not on the elite series doesn't mean you're not a phenomenal angler. That's right. There there's, there's guys out there for damn sure that would wax the floor with, some elite boys. That's for, that's for sure. Um, but okay. So I don't want to keep you too much longer, but I have a couple questions we want to wrap up with that are kind of more on the, the fun side. Um, and being that you're a rookie, I'm always curious. I asked, you know, when we've had rookies in the show, I always ask this question. Um, so obviously you haven't had your first event yet, but have you put any thought to, you know, when you're going to go launch on morning one, day one of the year, like, if you're if there's a specific angler you're gonna look at and you see on the boat that you're about to go compete against that you're like oh crap, like some people say Hackney, some people say like you know Christie, but is there somebody that's gonna be like a little intimidating? Um, I, I'll be honest, I I don't think so. Um, I I definitely had that happen to me when like so before I fished my first Bassmaster Open, I remember uh, going to Champlain one time and I remember like there's like an alley at the gas station and I'm like, I'm freaking out. Like, what am I doing here? Yeah. I'm like, all the, you know, cause it was the first time where I took what I saw in Bassmaster and then saw it in, in, you know, real life, like in person. And I was like, Holy, you know, and then the first, I remember the first year or two fishing the opens, it was like, you see all these guys driving around and you're like, Oh my gosh, here's so-and-so here's so-and-so. But um, I realized that all these guys are just, you know, average, average guys, just like any one of us. And, you know, they put their pants on the same way. And um, so, some of them. you know, maybe well, yeah, some, I was going to say, maybe <laughs> some <laughs> yeah. don't wear pants. Like yeah. Matt Robertson doesn't wear pants. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, you know, who, who knows? Um, you know, at some point, I'm sure that that intimidation factor will probably come into play. Um, I'm not going to sit up here and say like I'm immune to that, but 
Um, no, I don't, I don't, at least, you know, up to this point, I haven't, uh, you know, gotten nervous about that yet. No, I, I honestly, though, I think when you do feel that, it, and I, I feel like every rookie feels it a little bit. Um, I think that's should, that's a moment though, that I think you should savor because like, yeah. I mean, I, I would predict that you're going to have a long career on the elite series, but I, I think that's something that will probably be like a fresh feeling for, you, you know what I'm saying? Like, probably only going to be a small window where you feel that because I think you're going to get comfortable quick. But I mean, I think personally a way to just get comfortable quick is to go up to Hackney to be like, I'm the captain now, bro. Like, <laughs> Take the back seat. <laughs> like Godzilla ain't just, got just nothing go, on just me. Going just like, right uh, well, you, you guys know the story, right? With like Pat McAfee and uh, uh, what, what's his name um, from the Vikings, the, the running back. Um, oh, uh, are you talking about the current running back? No, 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 no. The older uh, Adrian Peterson, like, like, so Pat McAfee, when he like went up to the captain, he like shook his hand as hard as he possibly could to try to like intimidate <laughs> the guy. So that's, that's what I'm going to go up and do that. There you go. Yeah. It's like two hands, just bear grip. Just <laughs> yeah. don't let go. Awkward as can be, just, I'm just going to stare him in the eyes light. and just shake it as hard as I can. You could go for that or do like the, you do the handshake, but then you tickle the wrist. <laughs> or you go like, like you come in fast and firm and just give them like just the tip of your fingers. Yeah. Oh, this guy tickles fingers. I don't, I don't need that going around. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, hey, that's one way to establish yourself as a character for Bass. Yeah, I guess so. I you guess know, so. It'll, it'll get back to Zona one way or another. <laughs> yeah, like when. When Mercer used to do like the weird like talk before like the shows on uh, ESPN when he'd have like the five second countdown, like who has the weirdest handshake? And they're all like, Alex tickles fingers. Alex tickles fingers. <laughs> yeah, what I what I don't need is, is Mercer coming up with a nickname based on that. <laughs> I wonder if it's the legitimate Kevin Bacon. Yeah, it's like Kevin there. Bacon in the house. <laughs> yeah. All right. So I, I got two more questions. Um, we'll, we'll make them quick, but uh, one that I've started really like to ask everybody that comes on the show that obviously pro angler or their livings in fishing to some capacity is uh, if it wasn't for fishing, what career path would you have chosen? Oof. Um, so funny enough, when I was growing up for the longest time, I wanted to be a Navy SEAL. Okay. For, That's for like the longest time. If um, I might've done something like that or um I know I can't do an office job, so it definitely wouldn't be that. It would be, um, man, I don't know. Yeah, I think I would probably, like, I probably would have gone into the military or done something like that if it wasn't for fishing. All right, respect. All right, last question of the night. Uh, we asked everybody, again, that's new to the show, this question. That is, if you can sit down with three different individuals, they do not have to be in the fishing industry. They could be alive thousand years ago or alive today. It doesn't matter. It could be anybody. You could sit down with three different individuals, have a steak, have a beer, and pick their brain. Who would you invite? Um, so I'd say probably the first person. It would uh, it would either be uh, I, I gotta say it either be like Jesus, right, or like one of the disciples, right. So just from that historic historical standpoint, I feel like that would be so interesting, and just the conversation, you know, just to expand into that whole area would just be so interesting to discuss. Um, I think number two would probably be Jordan Peterson. Um, I watch a okay. ton of his podcasts and, you know, I just think he's such an intelligent person and um, so much that you can learn from someone like that. And uh, 
Yeah, and I think number three would probably be maybe like one of the previous presidents, you know, and just be able to get some insight into, you know, some of the stuff that they go into and this country and government and, you know, just uh, the, the business side of things and even just government and things like that interest me so much. And just from an analytical, you know, standpoint, I just, I, I follow a lot of that stuff and I love listening and learning. So um, yeah, I guess if I had to choose three off the top of my head, that's, that's where I'm going with. It'll be very intriguing to get like a Washington and be like, look at the world now. Like, are you right. happy with this? Or are you pissed? Yeah. Even just from like, uh, um, you know, like just the, the wars and the stories and just the uh, like, I, I love just all the thought process that goes into some of the strategy behind that stuff. Like, I, you know, like even just from a history standpoint of like how close, you know, battles were to going the other way and what the future of the country would have looked like if that happened. And, you know, it's all the unsung heroes and all the stories and details you don't know about. I, I love that stuff. I saw some meme. I don't mean to, to drag this conversation on, but I saw some <laughs> meme the other day. It's funny when we talk about Washington. So like with the wood teeth back then, I like the only thing that he would like be happy about is like the grills that people now wear like he would have just he would have like dollar bill like his face on dollar bills as a grill <laughs> i don't know why i thought that was the funniest it's thing it's really ever. funny uh, my simple brain at work but uh for real alex thank you so much for uh for taking time out dude it was good to get another fellow northeastern on here and uh we'll be rooting for you on uh, your rookie year of the elites and uh i, I got a feeling that you're gonna do pretty well for yourself and uh for my fantasy team this year Oh, sick. Well, I appreciate that. Just had to <laughs> throw a little pressure in there. That's right. That's that. right. <laughs> <laughs> no, but dude, that's got to be kind of interesting too for you. Like now people are going to be able to pick your name for fantasy fishing. So like that is definitely probably one of the things that has like hit me. You know, it's like very real. It's like, hey, I'm choosing you for fantasy. So you better do well. And like, you know, they're, they're sending me pictures of, and I'm like, man, that's kind of crazy. Like guys can choose me for fantasy. Can't let and, them uh, down. You know. That's when you just got to mess with your buddies, though. Be like, oh, you need to win this week? Oh, sorry. I'm not going to catch them tomorrow. Oh, yeah, Don't yeah. Me. <laughs> if, if you send me a picture saying, hey, I picked you, I'm like, man, I'm not on them. I am not on them. Yeah. <laughs> but I'll, I'll wait until they're locked in on their pick to do it. That's right. Oh, That's right. ouch. <laughs> like morning of the derby, like yeah. I mentioned, like, oh, by the way, not on them. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Oh, that's good. Well, dude, for real, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, definitely would love to get you on again here soon and uh, wish you all the best for the first couple of events in the Elite Series, man. Yeah, thanks, man. I'd love to come back on and appreciate you guys having me. Anytime, dude. But uh, it was good to get you on here. We'll take care and uh, we'll talk to you here soon. All right, you too. See you, man. Hi, Boston. Yeah, I, I really think, like, we talked about it a little bit, but I think there's going to be a big increase I wouldn't say big, but I think uh, to Alex's point, there's going to be more guys from the Northeast. There's going to be a steady influx of Northern Northeast guys. Because we, like we talked about earlier though, like we have a good mix of really clear water fisheries. We have a mix of, you know, your backwoods, dirty, you know, shallow timber, nasty grass brush type fisheries that can relate well to the South. And we have reservoirs too. Like, yeah current driven reservoir so yes yeah it's quite the the only thing the only thing we really don't have per se is like 
a, a blue like a herring lake. That's yeah. about the only thing we don't have. But like if Lake San Francisco, very similar. Yep, yep, for sure. So I, I'm excited to see how Alex does this year. That was good to get him on here. Um, I've actually I, I think we both have known of Alex's name for a while. Yeah, a couple of years. Kind of through say. the grapevine of like somebody who's doing really well in the opens, that's regional, does well in the local bass nations. Like you see his name popping up. Um, so it's cool to uh, to see that being that he's like what four hours ish down the road from us. Uh, Connecticut, what? he's so Candlewood is about seven from our house. Okay, never mind. Uh, yeah. So and the only reason why I know that is because when I bought my boat, it was eight hours there, eight hours back, and I mm. did it in a day. It was the dumbest drive I've ever done in my life. But yeah, that's wild. Yeah, pick up your boat. It's not, it's yeah. not a dumb drive. No, I had two good friends go, so that was nice. Yeah. Made for an enjoyable trip, but I can't believe I did that in one day. Still, ah, welcome to the the traveling circus. The, yes, a, a real fishing. I get it. <laughs> we got Mister Higgs here that says, "Oh no, Bailey started a fantasy fishing curse like you did with Atkins." Oh, <laughs> I've told myself because I like Atkins, I'm not going to pick him this year because I definitely cursed him as. But, but I actually, in the grand scheme, I did do well in fantasy fishing last year. Yeah, you're the best in the group, but the worst in the group, which makes no sense. <laughs> yeah, it makes no sense. We got to decide. We got to decide. We haven't announced who actually like our group that we're competing against, like yeah. on the shows is this year. We got to decide if we're going to do like the actual fantasy, like make a group, or we're going to do the golf scoring like we did last year. Golf scoring will be fun with five guys. So, because it's going to, yeah, because it opens up the scoring even more. So, yeah, that's fair. Yeah, could let. Yeah, I mean, you could have one, or you could have five, five points. Yeah, that's true. I didn't think about that. Get buried, you get buried quick. Which is like it's it's nuts because like, ah, yeah, uh, yeah it, it's it's wild how that can actually switch from the golf scoring side. Which we'll yeah. we'll talk about that at a later show. We actually do have to schedule that coming up here. We'll let you guys know, and we're gonna do our you know season Kickstarter for fantasy fishing. Uh, we have two new people that are going to join us. We are just to let people know. We'll, we'll at least announce this: is that we're Bartless for fantasy fishing shows for the year. Bart, <laughs> Bartless, we're Bartless. <laughs> Less Bart. <laughs> He's got a lot going on, so Bart is not rocking with us for fantasy fishing. Uh, but we do have technically, I guess, Andy, three new members joining us, but two permanent that are going to be on the whole show, and one is actually an Elite Series Pro who's going to bounce in for a couple minutes. So you kind of give us a live from the lake, how practices go and what the lake's shaping up like. That way you kind of almost have a little insider information of like, is the lake fishing well? Is it sucking? What is the weather doing to the fish? Should we say from that person, take it with a grain of salt or? <laughs> I, I feel like, well, I don't want to give too much away because it'll be, it'll be fun for the show, but uh he might act like he doesn't know what's going on, but he knows what's going on. Oh, yeah. Yeah. He, he makes himself sound dumber than he is. Um, <laughs> we got some guests in there. KJ Queen, that's a good guess, but no, it's not, it's not KJ. We yeah. can we can let you keep guessing, but uh, we're actually going to wrap the show up here yeah. in a second. We have a, a fun show for Friday coming up with Luke Palmer. Luke Palmer's going to come back on the show, uh, catch up with him, how the offseason's been going, talk about uh, next elite season. I'm sure we'll dive into some technique and some more like strict educational stuff with them as well. 
And then uh, on the same episode, when we're done with Luke, we'll probably go with Luke for about an hour or so. We're getting on Steve Owens, who's the new tournament director for Bassmaster Kayak Series. Um, And for folks who may not know or folks who may be interested, Steve Owens is probably one of the best tournament directors in the country when it comes to the kayak stuff. I think that was a huge move for Bassmaster uh, to really help establish the trail. Uh, been able to get on the phone a bunch with Steve lately, talking about the the schedule for Bass that actually just launched today. But we were talking some rules and things he has planned for the future of the trail. And I think Bassmaster is in really good hands, especially if they allow Steve the flexibility to go do and take the trail where he'd like to take it, because I think it'd be in really good hands and create really, you know, two really good trails for kayak anglers to fish on the national level. Um, so that'll be a good one. That'll be a really good episode. Hope you guys will enjoy that. Hope you guys enjoyed today's episode. Uh, if you one. did on, on the MP3, uh, please give us a rating and review. We're at like 99 reviews, I think, on Apple Podcasts. So Let's be get that. to 100. Yeah. Uh, appease my OCD and get us to 100, please. Because it's like that weird one thing. like that, Dude, I'm that weird person that like in the truck and I have my volume. It has to be even numbers. If it's an odd number, I freak out. Yeah, I, I feel like I subconsciously like adjusted to even numbers too. Like without even doing like scrolling through, like 16 is perfect. Like for this station I am listening to or this music or whatever, or 18, like 16 or 18 is usually where it's at. Cause I like a medium loud. Medium Amplify. loud. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, if I'm in the truck by myself, it's definitely a medium loud. But if like yeah. lands, if lands in the truck, it's, it's a like, medium soft. Medium soft. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. She doesn't really like the music too loud. But uh, you know, I, I, it's such a good point though. Like, I'll go to back up the truck out of the parking spot or something, and like the rear view mirror comes up, so you can't see what the dial is for volume. So you like you you like start turning, and you're like, oh crap, I can't see what it's at. And then you're like, you'll think what it's more like, guess, like, I think it's an even number, but then you'll have to check it again when you start yeah. putting it back and drive. Just subconsciously, like, okay, yeah. it's 18, we're good. Yeah. <laughs> and I don't know why we just got on that tangent, but it happens. But real quick, before we sign off, Jonathan Gauthier wants to know what the best cheap starter electronics are for his first kayak he purchased. Ooh. Um, I would first ask what your priorities are. Like, are you wanting to, are you wanting mapping? Are you wanting 2d? Are you wanting side imaging included in that? Um, I guess it depends on what you want. If you want more, just bang for your buck, like the most you can get for the cheapest of price. Um, I'd probably, if you kind of go on the cheaper side, I'd go like a helix five because you can get all that tech in that little fish finder. And it's like super mobile, super light out of the way being that's only a five inch screen. Um, yeah, I, was I think helix it's like five or helix four. seven. Yeah. yeah, I mean, even a seven, I think, is like 500 bucks. Yeah, it's a, I think it's $100 more than a five, and you get way more screen, mm-hmm. way more screen. And then you can even get side scan built in and down imaging. So, Yeah, and I know, Jonathan, uh, you messaged us a bunch on the Facebook. We, t- we talk over there, so feel free. Uh, I can We could talk further on that. So if you want to shoot us a message, we can uh, we can walk through some of that. But uh, Andy? Any any guide trips or anything like that coming up for either steelhead or smallmouth for the spring that people can get in on? So May and June, I want to say I have eight days left in each month. So eight days in May, eight days in June. Um, the month of February and the end of June, end of June, end of January is going to be like a day by day basis. If I think there's going to be good enough weather to go, so like good stream conditions, I'll kind of just post it up. Be like I have this weekend open. So right now, today, I just posted Saturday and Sunday I have open because we're going to have temperatures in the mid to upper 30s in 
good highs at night, which means upper 20s, low 30s. So not a huge temperature swing is huge in the wintertime for the stability of these fish. Um, when you get really cold nights this time of year, they just don't bite. And then we get a lot of slush ice on top of it. And we can't fish till like one o'clock. So mm -hmm. I, that's a wasted day to me. So I won't even offer guide trips on days like that. So the conditions have to be perfect for January and February. The only issue with these months, and it's not even truly an issue. It's, it's not a numbers deal like it is in, um, September, October, November, but we have the, the opportunity at a true giant, like a 12, 13, 15, 16, 17 pound fish this time of year before they get ready to spawn. So this is when the big ones come, but instead of getting like 15 to 30 by today, we might get five hmm. or two because there's just, they don't need to eat. They eat every 25 to 30 days. So you just got to trick a couple. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Uh, our, our buddy Joe here says you got a shout out in Mikey Balls' new YouTube video today. I'll have to go check that out. I, I know what it's about. I just haven't watched it yet. So that's awesome. Yeah. For folks, if you haven't checked out uh, our show on the Sears Angler Network called The Lure Lab that Andy is running and doing a kick-ass job, uh, he had on Mikey Balls yeah. to talk about a really simple technique, but easily probably the best technique in the country to catch bass everywhere. Um, I'm not going to give it away. You have to go check out the episode. If you do want to check out Lure Lab, it's in all the show notes. Same with Business of the Bass Boat, which is on its own platform. I know you've been stressing that a bunch lately, but if you are interested in industry talk or super specific bait talk, that's about 20, 30 minutes a week. Uh, check out the Lure Lab. All our shows are down below. And uh, maybe a new show coming this spring. Maybe. Mm. Maybe. Don't want to tease it too much, but there's always something in the works. That's right. Um, we'll talk about the Lure Lab coming up uh, for this week on Friday's episode. But uh, Andy, tonight was good. It's a fun show. Yes, sir. You rock as always, folks. I, I want peace. Should have that, but whatever. <laughs> <laughs> it's time to call it quits. <laughs> yes, well, folks. Appreciate y'all. Uh, we'll see you on Friday. Well, that was an awesome show. Hope you guys enjoyed it. If you can and your app allows it, please leave us a rating and review. It really helps us get seen more, which allows us to access more time and more variables to be able to bring to the show to make it better for you guys. So hope you enjoyed it. And if you did and you liked some of the things we talked about in this episode and want to check out our show partners, all of that is in every single show description. You can click down there. It's got all of our discount codes, all of our links to our show partners where you guys can go and support the people that support this show and help us make this show happen. And of course, this show does not happen without you guys. You guys know we appreciate you. You're the Sears Sanger fam. You're the reason we're here. Appreciate y'all. And we'll see y'all on the next one.